We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello and welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. And Sean, we are delighted today to be joined by one Mr. Travis May. Travis is one of our go-to guys when it comes to college or Debbie prospects. You'll find him on the College to Canton podcast on Rotoviz Radio. You can find his work as well up with the Solid Variable and uh, obviously a big part of Rotoviz Rookie Guide. But Travis, I want to start this one off. We're going to talk college football. You're going to join us for two shows this week. But I wanted to uh, first off congratulate you on the, I was going to say recent birth. There is a bit of time that has passed, but it's the first time we've been talking and had you on the show since of your son. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, he's coming up on uh, almost three months old now, which is kind of crazy. And just, uh, you know, getting into, in, into daycare and all that uh, as of actually today. And it was the first <laughs> first time. So it felt weird. Uh, but yeah, it's just being a dad is great. So it, it's it's been a blessing already and I can't wait to just watch him grow up. But thanks for having me on. I just always good to talk some some rookies. And uh, uh, that's basically I, I realized like that's what most everybody has me on to talk about. And so I, I, it's like my favorite thing. So I'm, I'm here pumped, ready to go. Yeah, we always have you on because you're one of the absolute best at it. So I think that's probably the same for any other shows that you're jumping on. But yeah, um, looking forward to, to jumping into this. Um, we did talk a little bit a couple of weeks ago when we had the rookie guide, dived into some of the stuff. But on today's show, we're going to talk quarterbacks and tight ends. And then we're going to look a little bit later in the week at wide receiver and running back. So looking forward to diving in. Sean, I know you're excited about this one. You were putting together some of the show notes and uh, some of the questions for Travis. So I think uh, I'll let you have the honors of, of kicking into it. I am excited. And as you mentioned, Travis is the best. So we're uh, just blessed to have him on and, and really looking forward to this show. We had a ton of his great work, as you mentioned, in the Road of His Rookie Guide, which is the first volume. Uh, is out right now grab that we'll have another volume after the combine another volume after the draft but there was some great quarterback info in this volume one dave caben wrote a great piece and then travis uh, you did some really cool stuff in this one and before we get into some of the details i want to make a push for listeners to really uh, get into the quarterback position and focus on the quarterback position 
in 2022 because it's just going to be so crucial for your dynasty fortunes going forward, right? And this is the, the chance that you have to really sort of separate yourself from the rest of the pack because we have a class of quarterbacks that is not that highly regarded, and yet we have a lot of them. So this is very different than if you have one or two guys and based on where you are in your Superflex rookie draft, you can either get them or you can't. If you're there, you probably take them because of how much value they have. If you're not there, then you, you can't take them and you go to a different position. This year is going to be very different. We have four guys who could go in the first round, maybe five, six guys who could go in the first 45 picks. Uh, Travis, these guys have some rushing ability, which makes them immediately relevant for fantasy if they get out there on the field. So then our question is, you know, who's going to get out there on the field? You know, who has a chance to really maybe start as a rookie? But if not even as a rookie, you know, who has a chance to really stick long term so you could have that decade's worth of super flex performance? And so we'll just jump in with you and kind of talk about some of the things that you've written about and you can expand on those things. The really cool thing that you did for this article in the rookie guide was you took adjusted yards per attempt and made some further adjustments for play action and jet motion, which uh, when those are included in the same way, tend to skew the numbers uh, if we're actually trying to project NFL performance. So explain your new metric and why it works better and how much more accurate it is. Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm i always trying to just find the next edge and uh, trying to adjust and see what what stats can truly tell us. And, and stats are always not going to be they're never going to be the, the complete picture. But I think uh, more recently, uh, we had already seen that pass efficiency uh, and the importance therein um, was really being emphasized by the emphasis, uh, by the NFL and, and how they invest their draft capital into that position. And so I was like, man, it's simple metrics that that are commonplace and available all over, like adjusted yards per pass attempt, especially like that really leads to NFL draft capital. There's a strong, at least correlation here. And so I really dug in, like, how can I even improve on this already predictive measure of future draft capital, which helps us out, if, especially if you play in Debbie fantasy football leagues, because you're trying to predict the future even like more than a year out, you know, pr pr projecting these guys to the NFL when they're still sophomores, juniors, uh, even freshmen, I guess, um, to the NFL. And so, um, I started thinking, you know, just practically, we already know that certain things boost efficiency when it comes to the quarterback position. Like I wasn't the first one to talk about play action percentage, uh, artificially boosting efficiency. Uh, and I think that's that's been measured and and confirmed in the NFL, at the NFL level. And so I did some testing of my own. And and so I wanted to take a look at like, you know, a, a good sample size quarterbacks with enough passing attempts that I could say there's there's it's not just too noisy to really have uh, a takeaway. So I I tested about, uh, well, just under a thousand quarterbacks, uh, individual seasons <laughs> to, to, to find the true impact of like play action percentage, jet motion percentage on um, like adjusted yards per pass attempt to see if there was like an impact, if there was an explanation of, of pass efficiency built in there. And I confirmed that there was, and 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 there was a pretty strong signal. Uh, in fact, that there was a boost if you had a higher play action percentage than a lower play action percentage in college, especially. Uh, and so, I adjusted for that and built a a new adjusted yards per pass attempt over expectation or over expected. 
uh, and and that yielded some impressive results in terms of predicting future uh, elite top tier NFL draft capital at a much higher rate, even than adjusted yards for passagent does. And so, for for example, so like with just uh, with just normal adjusted yards per pass attempt, um, I, I, if we just talk about like the first rounders. Uh, in in recent drafts, like from 2017 to 2021, if we just look at the simplest raw adjusted yards per pass attempt, like like 21 of the 53 D1 quarterbacks drafted um, at all uh, had uh, like an adjusted yards per pass attempt AYA uh, over the 90th percentile. Uh, 10 of the 19 first round quarterbacks that were D1 quarterbacks um, had at least 90th percentile AYA, but uh, really. Um, it, when I zoomed in even further with this adjusted yards over expected type model, it got a little bit more accurate in predicting top tier draft capital. That number of the first round quarterbacks jumped from 10 uh, all the way to 14 of the 19 first round quarterbacks came in at the 90th percentile or above in this new measure. And so I realized, hey, there's there's some signal here. And uh, so I'm still trying to hone it in and test for other measures too, like completion percentage, overexpected, adjusting for average depth of target and things like that. So we're getting better uh, even in this last month <laughs> in terms of building and honing and improving the quarterback model. So that'll actually come in further editions of the rookie guide, uh, an even more accurate indicator of future NFL draft capital that I've just found in, in the last couple of months. And uh, obviously, it's going to, as you hone in, it's going to become clearer and clearer what the outcomes and the results. Is there any quarterbacks so far in this process, or maybe even any of the guys that you had on from maybe some of the previous years looking back on it that really benefited from those adjustments? Uh, yeah. So, like Joe Burrow's uh, peak season uh, became like basically the when we adjust for schematic variables, he, he basically his his crazy peak year lead from you know maybe top 20 ish to number one overall <laughs> uh, like the best quarterback season we've ever seen in college uh, when we adjust for average depth of targets uh, completion percentage over expected and adjusted yards over expected um, on a per attempt basis so um, I think he's doing pretty well right now uh, Justin Herbert uh, when you look at his just raw uh, AYA numbers like you're like oh that's not like crazy elite but when you adjust for schematic variables he is well above the 90th percentile and uh, so whereas you know if you just look at the raw numbers you, you see a guy with an imperfect profile but if you look at all the reasons around it schematically why why he may have not had the peak efficiency on paper uh, just uh, using the the naked eye um, there were explanations for that. And so uh, I think this cleans things up uh, and and it gets rid of the guys who have artificially inflated profiles that have a you know an average depth of target like you know like five, six yards off the line of scrimmage and uh, you know play action per percentage around the 50th percentile around like 50% of their plays like that they're having guys just sucked in to the line with a bunch of space. Um, so anecdotally it already made sense because play action is supposed to, just create a moment of doubt in a defender's mind. It would make sense that there would be just marginal difference in, in uh, the, I guess, the runway for a, a pass to come in. And it was cool just to see the signal uh, confirm that, yes, play action percentage matters, jet motion percentage matters. And when you adjust for average depth of target, man, that matters too. So I think it just gives us a better look at the quarterback position uh, overall. Travis, take us through... Uh a couple key members maybe of this class you know, who's moving up who's moving down is this class as 
I don't necessarily say weak, but are they as controversial? Are they as wide range of outcomes, maybe big risk, but uh, big reward as well? In terms of how people are thinking of them, did this clear it up for you? Or are we going to still look at a lot of these guys as being an enigma where maybe they could hit, but the risks are extreme? I think that uh, this this class is weird and that we don't have – well, I think we just got spoiled last year and that we had guys with multiple seasons comfortably above the 90th percentile uh, by by most like raw statistical measures. And so it was just easier to like look at uh, the the not only just from a film perspective and go, yeah, he has all the traits, but oh, all, he also has really great raw stats. And so like not just the nerds like you and I that live in like live in the the nuts and bolts of the why behind the numbers, uh, but anybody could just look at it and go, okay, that makes sense. Uh, he's probably a hit. But this year, when you really clean things up, and you look at their their profiles and and the reasons behind why they were succeeding schematically or maybe why they weren't. Um, you can look at a Malik Willis and go, okay, yeah, he had like a dozen picks last year, but if you look at what, how far he's tossing it downfield, um, and the percentage of the time that you know he his teams run this kind of play or that kind of play, uh, you actually under, begin to understand that he's he's targeting players way further downfield. He's completing when he is completing passes. It is a much more difficult pass. Uh, than most college players like his average depth of target for th this past season was really far downfield like in, in 20 2020 like it was like like over 11 yards downfield on average uh, which is way up there like 99th percentile average depth of target so he's he's completing passes that are incredibly difficult to do and so while Malik Willis doesn't have a perfect I guess uh profile when you just look at it and just on paper you go man that's a lot of picks man that's that's questionable here maybe he doesn't have 60 passing touchdowns um i think the context surrounding that situation and the upside involved with his legs makes him uh, a really fun player and when we adjust for completion percentage over expected and adjusted yards over expected like he still comes in like around the 88th percentile which is plenty good to say that yes he should probably succeed especially if he just polishes, polishes things up a bit. Um, and he's got the weakest profile of the six or seven guys that should go in day one, day two. So while they might not have the, might not have the ceiling, I guess, uh, that we like from our uh, typical quarterback classes, all of these guys are, are at least worth uh, day two picks. And most of them still project as day one selections. Like, Sam Howell, like, I don't know why people are doubting him so much. Like, he's got two really good seasons, one well over the 90th percentile by every single analytical measure you could imagine. Uh, Kenny Pickett, even, and, and his peak season, uh, you know, 95th percentile kind of passer after kind of a mediocre uh, stint before that. Uh, guys that we, ha we have, quote-unquote, questions about, their peak years are fantastic and look like first-round quarterbacks. You mentioned there some of the guys that maybe are day two picks that should potentially be day one picks. How many of these guys are you thinking realistically are going to go in that first round off the NFL draft? I think it's four. Uh, I think right now, uh, most most years you don't see more than four anyway. But in, in recent years, we've seen a couple a couple times where they got four or five uh, guys. You know, There was a potential last year before Kyle Trask has, had his just ridiculous falling off in the last three games where – we could have seen six guys go in the first round. Um, and I'd say that six guys have been floated around in mock drafts uh, in that conversation. But I don't think Carson Strong 
uh, belongs there necessarily because he's an absolute liability as a rusher. Uh, had seriously negative 20% rushing yard market share last year. Um, and I guess he was coming off of an injury, but he's just an absolute liability when it comes to uh, avoiding sacks. Um, and so I don't think he's going to get there. But all the other top five guys could, like uh, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Leek Willis, uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, Matt Corral. I think all those guys uh, could be first-round picks. And I think even a couple of recent mocks had five of them going. But I think in the end, we see four. And I'm not sure we see even more than two go in the first half of the first round. How does that play out, Travis? I know that you are constantly sort of pulling in these mock drafts to get a feel for what the NFL thinks of them and where you should be placing them in your rookie mocks. You did a couple of really nice mocks for the site just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, you mentioned that, you know it could be five most of the mocks seem to have the two guys pretty safe. If guys like Howell and Ritter and Corral go in the back half of the first round, where do you see them going and, and how does the reality draft play out to make that work? I think that there's a couple of good spots for teams to, to find that quarterback. I think the Saints need a quarterback. Uh, if you're talking about real landing spots, I think the Bucks, if if they're not willing to give Trask a try, <laughs> uh, they, they think they could be in the market there. I think there, there could be some uh, really solid landing spots where these guys, by going in the late first round, actually help themselves out in year one and find a way to make an impact early on that they might not have been uh, making an impact for You know, a team like uh, had they just – accidentally and, and horrifically fallen into the Jaguars lap like uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence did. And so I think it's a great thing in that they're undervalued by the market and that's actually going to reward them uh, by actually maybe having a pass uh, pass catcher or two to uh, trust in year one. So I, I am going to be really pumped for whoever lands with the Saints. I'd be really pumped if, if the Bucks actually pulled the trigger again. And heck, even if like with all the rumors swirling, you know, with the Packers, oh man, like if, if somebody landed with the Packers again, I think because they're kind of tired of love and that was a hor just a horrible pick to begin with, uh, that would be a fun landing spot. There's tons of opportunity uh, this year for guys to, even though this class is imperfect, to, to make an impact and really outperform the expectations that many have for them. Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with. You can send messages, get thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today and I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website 
www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for Rotoviz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Rotoviz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be. So please check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In your opinion, Travis, looking through some of the current mocks, is there any of the quarterbacks, maybe even that you haven't mentioned, maybe some of those guys that you have mentioned who you know, might fall into that perfect landing spot where there is that upside? Is there any of those guys that you think are going to be undervalued as kind of sleepers and uh, super flex? We've seen that a couple of years now, going back to even, I think the biggest of all was probably Josh Allen when, when he came out, the value that he proved in uh, super flex. Um, anyone that might fall into that mold? Oh man, there's Josh Allen is just a unicorn. Like yeah, he once it's a once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I mean he 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 went through that that route where um it just didn't make any sense. Like he was a bad passer in college. He had a crazy arm and fun athleticism and threw to nobody at Wyoming. And uh really, I mean by every you can twist and and turn and, and look at his profile from 40 different angles and it's going to be like a bottom 3 resume from a, a passing standpoint that we've seen in like the past 10 years like in terms of the like these uh top first round picks and so it was like man he's got to fix a whole lot. Um and so that I don't think we have anybody like that. In fact, from an analytical perspective, almost all of the guys who even have potential to get drafted this year are coming in or above the 70th or 80th percentile uh, by every analytical means. Like it's, I feel like the the NFL for the most part, unless there's a unicorn like Josh Allen that can just uncle, uncle Rico, the ball a hundred yards downfield. Um, they're just done trying to fix these guys. Cause there's college passers are more efficient than ever. And uh, that's not changing. 
So we're seeing like 20, 30 or more college pastors who are super efficient every single year. So they're getting a little bit more picky. They're like, okay, well, great. You're an efficient pastor. I need you to add some rushing value as well. And so in recent drafts, we've seen guys that eclipse like the 15% rushing yard market share clip or more. Like those guys that mix in the peak passing um, in their best season, those guys get get taken early and those guys succeed in the NFL. And uh, Kenny Pickett, even though he had questions, uh, I mean, he was basically barely good enough to be a starter most of his career. Even he, he burst onto the scene, had that 40 plus touchdown season and OK, you know, 14, 15 percent rushing yard market share. And so I think most Debbie guys like myself have major questions, but I think he could way uh, over overperform what we have, um, what we thought he might just because of what he's turned into. Um, and so I think we might be underrating a guy like Pickett because he had mediocre years before, but he's figured out, figured it out. Just like Joe Burrow did the same thing. Like he, he was a nothing and then transferred to um, LSU and then was an okay, mediocre starter. And then all of a sudden, uh, he finally developed into what he needed to be and always had the mobility. And then he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So uh, I think if there's going to be somebody who really outdoes what we think he can, um, the analytical evidence would su suggest that that is Kenny Pickett. Um, but beyond just the obvious six names, uh, I, I really like Bailey Zappi uh, out of Western Kentucky. Uh, two seasons, one at the FCS level, one at Western Kentucky, where he set all the records, uh, most passing yards in a season, most passing touchdowns in a season, and you know, 92nd to 94th percentile uh, analytical profile from a pass efficiency standpoint. Not great mobility, but he could be like that Gardner Minshew <laughs> type that uh, just succeeds anyway. So that would be a fun sleeper. And Caleb Ellaby needs a rhythm-based offense, but uh, he put up like in a limited action in 2020, like a top five season of all time from a pass efficiency standpoint which is kind of fun last question on quarterbacks uh travis i think before we get into tight ends who is the first quarterback taken this year and and how high are we getting with that first quarterback pick i think it's got to be malik willis at this point uh because where, where the nfl is going uh at, at this point they, they they want guys that that have that rushing upside and we can thank guys like lamar jackson for that because if it weren't for him malik willis wouldn't be a first round pick but I think now, because the NFL is just thirsty for that absolute difference maker and, and that can just smash in that way. And even Josh Allen, similarly, they're just like, man, we just need that difference maker who can get there. He can chuck at 70 yards. He can be efficient if we get him in the right spot. And he, he adds all that rushing volume. Uh, and I don't think there's anybody that offers all those uh, three uh, aspects that, that teams are looking for uh, at this point. Uh, but but And I'll say this over and over and over. Teams in the NFL are done with immobile quarterbacks for the most part. Like even Mac Jones eclipsed like at least zero rushing yards. Like he was like, you know, two, two to three percent of Alabama's rushing yards. He can do enough. But if you have negative rushing yards in your peak season in, in college, which is only possible because they count sack yardage against your rushing total, um, that's a problem. There's been only one first round quarterback selected since 2017 that had negative rushing yards in their peak season and that guy's name was josh rosen uh so nfl doesn't care for that kind of player anymore well travis we're excited to be adding these guys on We've done some 
recent best ball drafts and very relevant for best ball because the quarterbacks are going to be important that rushing upside is going to be important uh, having the guts to select some of these rookie quarterbacks who bring the rushing upside as opposed to taking those immobile veteran qbs who number one might be a little bit more fragile in terms of actually holding their starting jobs than people think but are going to be low-end starters uh, at the back of drafts you know, just to begin with that kind of decision right now is an interesting one because if you do take these rookies and you know they go into the season probably in more difficult positions in some cases to actually win the starting job than lance and fields did last year we just saw what happened there so we're going to have some tensions in terms of how people view these players but i think this is an exciting rookie class at qb and the research that you've done in the work in the rookie guide has gotten me even a lot more into it and excited about it because it really fills out our understanding of what these guys have done at the college level. Speaking of that, and a position that we haven't talked about as much, but sort of a good balance, I think, to the quarterback position, because a tight end is the other position that tends to get overlooked in all dynasty formats, but especially in best ball, where it really is the determining factor in terms of whether or not your team wins. And some of these rookies may be a year away from making that kind of an impact but start to get us familiar with this tight end group, right? I think that everyone feels very comfortable saying there's no Kyle Pitts in this class. But do we have a Pat Fryermuth? I mean, he's somebody who last year, because of those touchdowns and because of the viability that he brought, even in a very poor Pittsburgh passing offense, was able to make an impact as a rookie. But then someone now who I think is a top 10 tight end going forward, and you didn't have to pay a lot to get him. Do we have a guy or even multiple guys in this class who maybe they're not locks to be that, but are interesting players that dynasty drafters should be looking at? I think absolutely. Because we don't have a Kyle Pitts this year, people are going to be kind of bummed. And I think they're going to let that position drop. And I think we're already seeing that because of the perceived depth at the wide receiver position. There's like a top three at running back. There's like six quarterbacks we should be interested in. So that's that's pushing quarter uh, pushing tight ends down even more so than in a typical typical year. So um, I think there's probably only one max two tight ends that are even going to go in the first 50 or so picks in this NFL draft. And I think at this point, uh, I, I thought I was going to be kind of an, on an island thinking that this player deserved first-round capital, but you know he's sneaking into first round of mocks right now. But Trey McBride out of uh, Colorado State is somebody that I've been on for a while. I had him in uh, all four of my – uh, college to Canton leagues uh, where I was, you know, getting some college fantasy points for uh, his production last year, which was fantastic because Trey McBride, Colorado state had over 90 catches last year uh, and 1100 plus yards in 12 games. <laughs> so uh, he was the Travis Kelsey of college tight ends. And um, not just, not just from a raw volume standpoint. It's not like he was just schematically just gifted all these targets. Like he's earning them. Like he's making one-handed grabs. He's embarrassing like smaller, faster guys and dunking on people in, in, uh, down on the outside of the seam. It doesn't matter. And so I think, you know, because he played at Colorado state, nobody actually watches their games. And so maybe most people just watch a highlight reel and they see a guy, they're like, oh, okay, he, he's not Kyle Pitts. <laughs> and you're right. He's not, but I think he's absolutely athletic enough and he's got great hands uh, to be a good enough receiver at the next level. He can block, he can be a big slot. He can line up outside. 
Um, he does everything well enough, and he's got an incredible production profile. So I think he's the guy that I'm most intrigued by that could absolutely be that Pat Frymuth that you get in the middle of round two and you think, man, that was an absolute smash, or even later than that in, in some drafts, uh, especially if he misses out on first-round capital. If he's like early second-round capital in the real draft, people are going to go, oh, okay, he's not that much of a difference maker when he, in all reality, uh, he truly is. And uh, before we do finish up today, Travis, uh, I know we touched on Sean's question there, true tight end. Is there anything tight end related that you think people should be watching, whether it's coming up here in the combine or the pro days or anything for this rookie class of tight end that you want to highlight? Sure. I mean, every single year, I think we've, we've seen that uh, tight ends need to be fast. And if they're going to be a, a good enough uh, receiving tight end in, in the league, they need to have some speed. Like the, the threshold that you use to say that he's good enough. Some people think that it's under four, seven. Some people think it's under four, seven, five. Uh, I tend to believe that it's four, seven or faster to be a, a difference making uh, tight end at this point. So yeah, I'm watching for the, the, the guys who are going to be fast enough to separate from NFL defenders. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I want to see that speed. If they're not, um, it's okay. If I've seen them verifiably be a dominant receiver, for you know multiple years in college like you're not going to see a guy like charlie kohler out of iowa state run a blazing four six like it's just not going to happen but guys like that that can get a bunch of snaps for themselves by being the team's best blocking tight end and the team's best receiving tight end and uh, roll their way into a tyler conkling type role at the next level uh, i think we've got several of those guys in this class so just from a production profile standpoint like if you're not familiar with uh, what's even good for college tight ends like they don't really produce like like there's not many guys like that produce top elite receiving numbers especially by like percentage of their team's receiving yard market share it's not a ton like i, I only want a guy to, to really hit like 15 or 20 percent uh in most cases for multiple seasons and i'm like okay that's a, that's a difference because most schemes in college they're spreading it out and they don't always target the tight end uh, it's just rare to see a truly uh, elite producer at the position. So I'm looking for speed. I'm looking for consistent multi-year production uh, above the fifth, like 15% receiving yard market share at least. Uh, and when you marry those two together, um, you, you get a good combo that, that projects well, especially if they, they get day two uh, capital or better. Okay, cool. And uh, Travis, I did mention at the start um, some of the stuff you're involved in the College Accountant Podcast. You're a massive part, obviously, of the uh, Devi and college content on Rotoviz Radio and the, the team with the Draft Guide. Um, I want to let the listeners know they can follow you on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. But Travis, hit us with uh, anything else that you want to let the listeners know. Well, I just check out all this, the tight ends in this class because there's probably seven or eight that are intriguing. Like we might not even rank them all when it's all said and done and then the rookie guy, but I would not be surprised if we're way too low on, you know, like a Cole Turner out of Nevada or like I said, a, a Charlie Kohler or an Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. There's so many guys in this class or Greg Dulcich from UCLA. There's so many guys in this class that are good enough receiving tight ends that can also walk when they're called upon that I think that they're going to be there's going to be so many of them that are given a shot at real NFL snaps. And so there's going to be one or two that pop that aren't really ranked very highly at all. And so if I'm in, in late rounds and rookie drafts this year, I'm popping a few, a few different shots at tight end because there's, there's going to be a bunch of cheap ones because they're going to get third, fourth, fifth round real NFL draft capital. And some of them are going to, some of them are going to succeed anyway. A la, you know, the uh, Dalton Schultz route, we're going to see this class be kind of, 
you know, full of a, a few of those types. Awesome, awesome stuff. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, we will have Travis with us uh, to talk some wide receivers and running backs on Thursday's podcast. So make sure you come back and check that out. As a loyal podcast listener, as always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a road of his NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout, and you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Today's guest was Travis May again on Twitter. Make sure you're following him at FF underscore Travis M. Check out all the content that he will be posting there. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel, and you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. My name is Colin Kelly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Overtim Ireland. And until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.